Mere hours after police moved in to enforce an injunction and remove a rail blockade near Belleville, others popped up affecting GO Train service to discuss the security and safety implications as well as economic fallout from the blockades. Libby was joined by Ted Mallett, chief economist at the Canadian Federation of Independent Business, and Phil Gursky, a threat and risk consultant and a former strategic analyst at CSIS. I want to tip my hat to the OPP and to the RCMP out west and other law enforcement agencies that have done this really well. I, I think that they've really done so carefully. It is a sensitive issue. We've had times in the past when it, when it has not gone well. I mean, I'm sure your listeners remember Ipawash and Burnt Church out of New Brunswick and Caledonia near Hamilton. And, you know, those were occasions on which, unfortunately, it did descend into uh, violence. So far, that does not seem to be the case. Uh, it's not over yet, as you're, I'm sure you're well aware, Libby. But they've been pretty patient, and I think that, as the Prime Minister said, that it's time for the barricades to come down, and the, the law enforcement agencies did what we pay them to do, and that is keep law and keep order. So, I, again, I tip off my hat to them. What else will have to happen before these areas are clear? Well, I think that the people that are responsible for the barricades have to recognize, yes, they've made their point, and in a democracy, you have that right. We've all heard what they have to say, okay, let's keep, let's keep this conversation going, but I'll, and I'll defer to, to, to my other guests on the economy, but this is having a very significant effect on the Canadian economy, jobs, supplies, things like that. And I think that those parties that are responsible for the disruption have to, you know what, okay, we've done this, let's move on to stage two, which is continue to talk about this, and dismantle the barricades. It's as simple as that. Ted Mallett, we've seen various numbers. We've seen up to $425 million a day. Andrew Scheer just used a figure of $70 billion. Uh, what's your assessment of the economic damage? At this point, I don't think we can come up with a clear sense of uh, dollars and cents numbers. We just know that businesses that are affected are affected a lot, and there's there's a lot of unevenness uh, out there. There are particular businesses that may be getting most of their products shipped by uh, uh, by by boat or by truck, and they may not be directly affected at this point. But others uh, uh, just may be uh, tied in with the rail networks uh, more than they had thought before. Uh, there are businesses, uh, agriculture businesses, that are waiting for propane, and uh, uh, if they don't get another shipment soon, then their their uh, their chicken farm is in danger uh, of, uh, of of freezing. They heat they, they heat their barns with uh, with propane. Uh, there's another business that uh, is about possibly losing a contract for $100,000 because it can't get the, the input product it needs in order to fulfill that contract. Uh, and others, uh, there's a restaurant owner in Western Canada waiting for uh, goods from overseas to complete renovations. So their business is out of, uh, out of business until they actually get this, uh, uh, this, this particular shipment. So businesses that are affected are affected a lot, and that's, uh, that's really problematic from uh, from the standpoint now that we're entering into uh, pretty much uh, uh, the, the the third week of protests. Phil Gursky, you know, there there have been public opinion polls, and, and while most Canadians want these blockades to end and don't agree with them, most people do agree that Indigenous people have had a very bad deal. And I'm just wondering, the fact that it's taken so long to even begin to deal with this, do you think that it has emboldened protesters uh, who now are thinking, well, we can shut things down for a very extended period of time without consequence? I think the answer is potentially yes. 
you know, for, for some people, this whole issue is analogous to an existential threat, right? They see climate change, global warming, the pipeline is going to contribute to that. And therefore, if they don't stop this and projects like this across Canada and around the world, we're basically digging our own graves as, as a civilization. So I think there are a lot of people who truly are convinced of this and are convinced that the time for action is now. We can't wait another 10 years, five years, whatever. We have to implement changes starting immediately. So I'm not so sure that the actual length of the protests, had they been shorter or longer, would embolden people. I think we're entering a time period where there certainly are parties out there who, as I said, are absolutely 100%. They believe that we, we, we have to take action now. And you know what? We'll, we'll have to do what we have to do. And if it means breaking the law, it means breaking the law. So I, I guess we're going we're gonna to have to wait for that. But this is where I think this and, and, it, what, and the other interesting part of these protests is that it's not just Indigenous people, right? You yeah. do have climate activists as part of it. You have other groups that are part of it. So it's almost like it's become an, an umbrella for a bunch of people with somewhat similar but also somewhat disparate positions and, and, and ideas to get together and try and stop things. So we'll see where that whole thing goes in the weeks and months to come as well. Phil Gursky, a threat and risk consultant and former strategic analyst with CSIS, and Ted Mallett of the Canadian Federation of Independent Business. You're listening to the best of Fight Back. I'm Bob Comsick.